Philippians chapter 4, starting to read at verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. If we committed ourselves to that verse, we'd avoid a lot of heartache in our lives. Verse 9 says, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Another very powerful verse of Scripture. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Bless Lord. I'm going to teach, preach something a little bit different this morning, but my title today is simply an incredible journey. An incredible journey. If you have your Bible with you today and you turn to the last few pages of your Bible, it is possible, probably even likely, that you have a small collection of maps. Uh, they're usually those thicker, stiffer pages that don't flick as easily as the other ones. And some of these maps, depending on your Bible, will show the early history of the nation of Israel, perhaps some pictures, aerial pictures or aerial maps rather of the ancient city of Jerusalem. But usually there's often a page or two or three of what have become known as the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys. It's interesting how we label things in hindsight. Paul did not think of himself as a missionary. In fact, the word missionary didn't come into use until many centuries later. But as we've learned in our Bible class this morning, the Apostle Paul was commissioned by God to go into all the world. He had a particular commission. He had a particular calling. He became known as the Apostle to the Gentiles, which when you look at his life was something of an unnatural fit with his background. But God called him and commissioned him to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. But this morning... I don't want to particularly look at one or more of his missionary journeys that he took, but rather I want to just pick out a couple of parts of the journey of his life as a whole and possibly gain insight into our own journey and how some of the things that he experienced can also encourage us in our experiences. We are able, again, as we've already covered today, to look back at Paul's life with the benefit of hindsight to see that he was faithful unto the end despite what he went through, in spite of all the challenges that he faced. And hopefully, considering that today, we can be encouraged that we can also be faithful to the end if we are willing to go through the challenges that life presents to us. may not read a lot of scripture today, but I will certainly refer to it and possibly paraphrase it. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you. Lord, for the worship, Lord, that was offered in sacrifice to you this morning. Lord, in this hot, muggy day, we still declare that you are worthy of our praise and our worship. You are still the King of Kings. 
You are still high and lifted up, Lord, and you are still the only one that deserves all the praise and all the worship. And so this morning, as we consider your word together, Lord, I pray you'd strengthen us, you'd encourage us, you'd be with us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. To walk with Jesus, and I'm going to say this several times to balance some of the other things I'm going to say, to walk with Jesus is really an incredible journey. There is no life that is better than a life that is centered around Jesus Christ. Now, that does not mean that contrary to popular doctrine today, that you will, by being a follower of Jesus, that you will by default have everything of this world's goods, that you will never lack for anything, that, you know, your days will just go from good to great and beyond, that you'll just, you know, nothing will go. That, that is a, a doctrine that is popular and understandably popular but unfortunately unbiblical. It's a shame when the doctrines we like don't line up with the Word of God, isn't it? It's really inconvenient when the things we would like to believe simply don't line up with Scripture. But that is not a concept that is scriptural. Yes, God blesses us. Yes, He's good to us, so good to us. Yes, He does so much for us more than we deserve. But the idea that we are the children of the King, therefore we should live as King's kids, I, I think the Apostle Paul didn't get to that Bible school class. He missed that one. He was sick for that term. But we are able to look back at his life and we're able to recognize that while this is not a trouble-free life or a life without problem or heartaches, it is still the best life of all. Amen. We do not know a lot about Paul's upbringing from the time of his life when his name was still Saul. We know that he was from Tarsus, but... As we read the book of Acts and various bits and pieces from the epistles, we can piece together some things that one of the things that is significant in his upbringing is that the scripture lets us know that he was a student of a well-known rabbi by the name of Gamaliel. And if you, if you search Gamaliel's name on Google, you, you'll find that he was a very prominent scholar. He was not just another rabbi, another teacher, but he was uh, very highly regarded his wisdom and his understanding was considered to be some of the best. And what this little bit of information about Paul lets us know was that he was a young man of great academic potential. And also he was a young man that had the kind of desire and determination to reach that potential. You simply couldn't enroll to become a student of a prominent rabbi like Gamaliel. It wasn't like, well, hey, I want to go to that school, so I'm going to go to that school. It wasn't that simple. Uh, You had to be considered and you had to be selected as being suitable. So Paul or Saul of Tarsus as he was then known would have had have been considered and they would have examined the qualities that he possessed before he was considered eligible to be a student of this great rabbi. Not only that, like in every culture and every society in the world, having a family connection possibly may have helped. Someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. We all know the expression that it's not what you know, but it's who you know. And well, you know, this person knows that person. I'll get them to have a chat. And that may have also, we don't know, but that may have also helped in Paul's situation. So when we read of Paul's testimony about himself and about his past that's found in the epistles, we see a picture of a young man who is totally focused. Possibly we might even say driven to be the very best Pharisee. 
to be the very best and most highly qualified religious ruler that he could be. He was one of those people that we would describe as an overachiever. When, when he talks about his past and he talks about his testimony, he's not doing it to draw attention to himself, but rather to communicate how important the kingdom of God is. But he says, if you think you were religious, if you think you were committed, if you think you were faithful, he's basically, I'll hold my resume up against anybody in the room. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was committed, I was given, I was driven to achieve. And it is a part of this passionate pursuit of religious excellence that he is horrified at this new faith in this man called Jesus of Nazareth that is spreading throughout the land because as best we can work out, Saul of Tarsus was maybe a handful of years, five or six years younger than Jesus. And so as he's entering into his later adolescence, we were the sort of late high school tertiary stage of life and becoming a student of Gamaliel, the church is in its infancy. Jesus' ministry is is taking place and he is horrified that there is a man of no education, of any note, who is challenging the leaders, challenging the system that Saul of Tarsus is so dedicated to, that he is so committed to. This, This upstart from Nazareth is speaking to the men he considers the elders and the rulers and the prominent people of society and he is challenging them. He's He's actually exposing the emptiness of their hearts and Paul in his zeal and his fervor is determined as a dedicated young student to do whatever he can to crush this heresy, to destroy this false teaching. But at the same time, it also seems when you read about his testimony of watching Stephen be executed, Paul also struggled to reconcile in his mind the testimonies that he was hearing of the miracles that Jesus was doing. On one hand, he's challenging the establishment. He's challenging the tradition of the elders. On the other hand, there are sick people being miraculously healed, demon-possessed people being delivered, dead people even being raised from the dead. Paul is trying to, hearing stories, no doubt, of Lazarus, hearing stories of the the widow whose son had passed away and the the woman with the issue of blood because no doubt these stories spread through the community and he's trying to understand how all these things could happen. How could he be a false prophet and yet still be doing those things? And as many of us understand today, he was traveling to Damascus to continue his mission of arresting the followers of Jesus and having them thrown into prison until God miraculously got his attention. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that's our way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined, shined round about him a light from heaven, He fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And in the next half a dozen or so words, Saul of Tarsus' world was turned upside down because it says, And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, he was gobsmacked, we might say. 
He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. We often read this story from the viewpoint of the miraculous conversion experience that Saul or Paul had. You know, and it is, it's incredible. You know, we often when we talk about someone's conversion or their call to ministry, we often say not everybody has a Damascus Road experience because of the significant of the the the, the the uh, intensity of the moment that, that Saul or Paul, I'm going to keep doing that, went through. But we often, we also need to stop and consider the impact that this had on the Apostle Paul's life. You see, to follow Jesus for him meant leaving behind the higher education. It meant forsaking a life of prominence and respect amongst the elite of society. He was mixing with the who's who. It probably also meant, although the scripture doesn't tell us explicitly, a disappointed family. Parents who couldn't understand the decision. Parents who may have been involved in the process of getting him into the rabbi school. Parents who had been so proud of their young son. Oh, have you heard about our son Saul? Have you heard how he's doing? Do you know that he's in Gamaliel's school? All of a sudden, all of this stuff is turned upside down. And Paul was human just like you and I. And so he felt some of that. You see, some of you have had similar experiences that when you chose to follow Jesus, you had friends and family that couldn't understand why you would throw your life away. You know why you throw your life away? Because the life you had before wasn't worth having. And it gives you a better version. Amen. Or why, you know, okay, if you want to be religious, that's fine, but you have to be so fanatical about it. You have to be, you know, you need to just dial it back a bit. You know, it's uncomfortable. Why you no longer do the things that you used to do before? Why you make decisions based around your commitment to being in church and it blows their mind that you would give some of your income to God? They think that's crazy. Amen. And, you know, there, there certainly was no social media in Paul's day, but I promise you people still found ways to talk to each other. In Jerusalem, did you hear about Saul of Tarsus? You know Saul, you know Gamaliel's prize student, the, the A student, the honor roll student? He's become one of those Jesus people. He's become one of those, you know, the, that carpenter's son from Nazareth that's gone around doing and saying, he's, he's become one of his followers. Can you believe that? What do his parents think? What, what does Gamaliel think? What, you know, we thought so highly of him. Paul had to endure all of this and even... When you read the scripture for the rest of his life, the people for whom he was once a champion, the Jews who were obsessed with keeping the law of Moses, he was their poster child. He was their, this is who you want to be like if you're going to be a Pharisee. Those same people persecuted him, followed him from city to city and opposed him at every opportunity. I'm, I'm... allowing my imagination so you can dismiss this at your leisure, but it's quite possible that he even was confronted by people he once was a student with. People that he may have sat at Gamaliel's feet with possibly persecuted him across the known world. We don't know, but it's not hard to imagine that that took place when he would return to Jerusalem from time to time for missionary journeys and walk through the street and the marketplace, there would be familiar faces and disapproving looks as they looked down their long pharisaical noses and sneered at him. 
So in our opening text from the book of Philippians chapter 4, we are given some important keys that I think are very powerful for us to remember today. Keys that kept Paul in place, that kept him on track. The first thing was he told us that if we would keep our minds on the things that are pure, that are honest, that are just, that there was a peace of God that passes understanding that could keep our hearts and our minds. He also knew that in this life it was going to include times of him going without. When it says going without, that didn't mean that this week he couldn't eat at the nicest restaurant. It meant that this week he didn't know if he was going to eat. He didn't have anywhere to stay. He didn't have any food. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from. There was there was no social security. And as is implied in the text that we read, there were times people were able to support him and there were times they were not able to support him. And he said, that doesn't matter to me because whatever happens... He said, I am determined that I am going to be content in the state that I find myself in. Whether I've got so much food I don't know what to do with it, or whether I'm desperate for a crust of bread, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to be content. And as a part of that, he declared that I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we quote that verse. We learn it in Sunday school. We learn it as young people doing memory verse challenges. Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things. And we take that verse and we think that means that we can raise the dead and heal the sick and do all this stuff. And that is true. But the context, the context, what he was talking about is it does not matter what comes my way. It does not matter what I face or what hurdles or mountains or valleys or oppositions I go through. I can do all things. That's what that verse is about. You know, we love to take scripture and quote it in a positive application. When sometimes the context suggests, hey, this is about hanging on. This is not about raising the dead and opening the blind eyes. This is about whatever comes my way. I'm going to go through it. There are some keys there as believers if we could take a hold of that. Be careful where we keep our minds. Be willing to trust God regardless of what state we're in and recognize that he can bring us through. You see, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're not going to do that this morning, but Paul lists a collection, if you like, of persecutions that he experienced that to us seem hard to believe. You know, I'm not going to pick them all out, but several have noted that he, he was whipped five times. Forty times, save one. So that just so that the, the, the law said that 40 was the maximum, so they take one off just in case they lost count. So kind. Five times he was whipped. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned and left for dead outside a city. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. And it seems that it was not unusual for him to go without food and the basic needs of life. Now, some of you have faced difficult situations and mistreatment from others because of your faith. And we we cannot compare to Paul's. Anybody here can hold their experiences up to the Apostle Paul's? When he said, I've been whipped twice, you can say, Amen, brother, I know where you are. None of us, I don't think, can do that. But that doesn't mean that the things we go through aren't difficult for us. When you're going through a hard time, when you're being persecuted on the job or at school or in your family, it hurts. And you know, the fact that it could be worse or you don't have it as bad as some other person, as this person or that person, that may be true, but it doesn't change how you feel at the time. 
You know, you get run over by a bus and they say, well, you know, you could get run over by two buses. doesn't make you feel any better. It still hurts to get run over by a bus. And so we are not instructed to compare ourselves to Paul, but rather to look at what he went through, to consider that God kept him, to consider that God brought him through, and then to look at our present peril and our present situation. So I still have hope that God is going to do the same for us, that he's going to bring me through, that even if I'm having a hard time, he's going to give me an escape, that he's going to be with me, that he, he spoke to us through the gifts this morning, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, that he is always with us if we need him. Bless the Lord. It's an incredible journey, folks. I know some of this is like, well, that doesn't sound too incredible. I don't want to sign up for any of the cruises that Paul went on because most of them ended up in the ocean. But he knew enough about what he was doing that all of those things didn't matter. And I want to remind us this morning about where we are at, who we belong to, who it is that we serve. So if you go out those doors and you're facing some junk, you've got a hope that is greater than what's outside. You've got a hope that is stronger than your family giving you a hard time, than your colleagues giving you a hard time, than society thinking that you're bigoted and prejudiced and full of hate. And we have to face those things. But we have a hope because we're on a journey. Hallelujah. We're going somewhere. Paul, it seems, again, allowing a little bit of reading between the lines, it seems that Paul went through physical difficulties. You know, from what we read of the scripture, it seems like he may have suffered from some kind of physical condition, that physically he was not particularly impressive. He wasn't even a great preacher. Now we assume that he was an orator like Apollos, but it seems that his speech was not so good. You know, if Paul was in ministry today, they probably wouldn't let him on YouTube. It seems possibly a, you know, I don't, you know, no plastic surgery in the first century. What does a man look like who's been whipped five times, who's been beaten with rods three times, who's been stoned and left for dead? What does he look like? He's not exactly, you know, he's not up there on the YouTube channel with the prosperity preachers talking about how God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. He's a walking scar tissue with a limp. Is declaring the saving power of the name of Jesus Christ and a hope that is far beyond this world. You know, he, he wasn't, he didn't like pain. He, he went to the Lord, the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he said, you know, I need you to deal with these issues. I'm having a hard time here. But God said that his grace would be enough for him. And I want you to know without, let me be very, very clear today, if you have an illness or you have a physical condition, God can heal you. Jesus can touch your body. He can heal you in an instant. He's put those gifts in his church. There are so many of us here that can testify of how God has healed us when we, we have had prayer and he's touched our bodies and done miracle after miracle after miracle. But if he does not heal us, he has promised us that he will keep us. If he does not heal us, he has promised us that he will keep us. We do not always understand why God does or doesn't do things that we want him to. Anybody ever thought, Lord, why? Or Lord, why not? But faith is trusting him whatever happens. You see, the apostle Paul came to understand that whatever he experienced that was not of his choosing, if it was pain, if it was difficulty, 
inconvenience and struggle that if God did not remove it from his life, that there was an opportunity there somehow that God's power would be demonstrated through that circumstance and that God being glorified mattered more than Paul's comfort. Jesus is always looking for a way to demonstrate his power in our lives. He is constantly looking for an opportunity to show up and do the signs and wonders and to demonstrate his power. But we need to understand that the demonstration of the power of God is not the genie in a bottle kind where we get three wishes. That's not how God operates. Sometimes it is the miracle that we want. Other times it's Jesus showing what can happen through the pain and through the obstacles. And when you are walking by faith, regardless of circumstance or situation, God is showing a different kind of power. He's showing keeping power. He's showing strengthening power. He's showing power. He's allowing your faith to stretch and to grow. You see, we get this mindset that if he doesn't heal me, if he doesn't do my miracle, then there is no power. The power is always there. It's just demonstrated different ways. Sometimes the power is when you keep going when you don't have the strength to keep going. Sometimes the power is when you've dragged your carcass into the house of God and the whole world is upside down and you stand and you lift your hands and you say, you're still worthy, God. You're still worthy to be praised. That's powerful. That is powerful. Hallelujah. The modern Christian world has got this idea that the power of God is defined as by us getting what we want. That is not what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul knew that God's power could operate through him in spite of his shortcomings. Therefore, I take pleasure. It's not a masochist, not someone who likes pain, but he understood a powerful principle. I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the power of God is demonstrated in spite of your issue. In spite of your pain, God is able to show up in a very, very special way. You see, your testimony is not always about the miracle that Jesus did in your body or in your family or in your finances. Sometimes the testimony is about the way that he brought you through, about how when you didn't think you could make it, he showed up, of what he taught you in the season of suffering, of the growth that you experienced when you put your hand in his hand and said, I'll trust you anyhow hallelujah we need to understand this morning that god demonstrates his power his way not ours if we don't get that principle then what's going to happen is when god isn't our genie in a bottle we will our faith will crumble because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. therefore we're not going to walk with him anymore try and fit that into paul's life he was going to trust god regardless hallelujah Hallelujah. And this might seem counterintuitive to much of what I'm talking about this morning, but if there was one thing that Paul wanted us to know was that the journey is worth it. The journey is worth it. I said it before, I'll say it again. There is nothing that compares to this life. 
As most of you know, I just ticked over my 50th birthday and I can look back over the last 50 years with the best that my memory allows me to because the longer I live, the bigger the holes are. But as I look back over those past 50 years, I can find you heartache. I can find you things that I still don't have answers for that God allowed to happen, that he allowed me to go through, he allowed us to go through, he allowed the church to go through. I can find you those things. But so much more than that, I can find you his faithfulness. I can find you his provision. I can find you when he showed up again and again when I had questions that didn't have answers. Sometimes he brought me answers. Sometimes he said, trust me without an answer. And if all I could do was say, God, I'm going to put my hand in your hand because it's worth it. Because there is nothing that compares to this journey. If you think people out there have a good life, you'll listen to the devil's junk. What you see out there that looks like happiness is a facade. Those people go through heartache. They go through brokenness. They go through times when they're short of this world's goods. They go through all the things and more than the church goes through because of sin. But if we're going to go through this journey, I want to go through it with him. Hallelujah. I want to go through it with him and I want to go through it with you as my brothers and sisters, because there's going to come a day, the Bible says, that in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet is going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And the writer said, comfort one another with these words. When it's tough, remind somebody he's coming back. When you're going through heartache, remind somebody that any day now the Lord is coming back. And whether you like it or not, look, if, if you don't love your brother and sisters here, you better sort that out because eternity is a long time to spend with them. We're going to spend eternity looking back and remembering the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Paul, there were so many things Paul went through, but he's an example to us of faithfulness. He's an example. Just, just to wrap this up this morning, Paul also experienced people in his life that walked away from God that broke his heart. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Paul experienced what it was like to be betrayed by people he considered brethren. All they in Asia have turned against me, he said. He understood what it was like to feel abandoned and alone. And I'm pretty sure as he sat in that prison in Rome in his last days, he wondered if he'd made a difference. He wondered if he'd made a difference. But he wrote to the Roman church, and this is my last scripture today, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. And he said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You have the Holy Ghost. I want to remind you that that's supposed to communicate to you that you are his child. And you feel the Spirit of God moving, whether it's here, whether it's at home, in your devotions, while you're driving your car, wherever it is, you begin to feel the Holy Ghost. You need to remember that's God reminding you that you are his child that you belong to him. And if we're children, we're also heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, 
that we may be also glorified together. And verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Stand with me if you would this morning. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands for a moment and worship the Lord. I know this message has had a bit of weight in it and wasn't exactly what I intended. But Paul's life, Paul's life needs to shout in our ears, it's worth it. It's worth it. Run the race. Finish the course. Get that crown. Run the race. Finish the course. Get that crown. Hallelujah. Keep your mind on him. Whatsoever things are honest, they're good, they're pure, they're just, they're lovely. There's a good report. There's praise. There's virtue. Keep your mind on those things. The peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, because you're going to know how to both abound and how to be abased. And you need to be able to be content and say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. We're in the last days, folks. We're in the last hours. And I'm not a prophecy expert. I'm not even a prophecy novice. But I can promise you this, the church is not going to get more favor in the sight of this world. The gap is widening. The light is offensive to the darkness. But we're on a journey. Regardless of what happens here, there's a hope. There's a hope. But it requires you finishing the journey. I've known in my 50 years, I wish it wasn't so, but I've known people that have left the path gone their own way and while there's still grace we're trusting God will bring them back but you've got to finish this thing Paul started out as the complete opposite of what God wanted him to be he was actually persecuting the church but God interrupted his life and said I'm going to use you as a vessel we are commissioned to be vessels in this world to get as many people as we can to go on this journey with us to make disciples That's our theme this year. Let's go and make disciples. Father, we worship you. We worship you. Feel your, Lord, the anointing, Lord, weighing on this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Paul's example and every person that's gone before him, Lord, for that great cloud of witnesses, Lord, that we would consider them And that we would run this race with patience. Looking unto you, Lord Jesus. Lord, there was joy set before you. There's joy set before us, Lord. We are on an incredible journey. Card to be your children. To be filled with your spirit. To walk according to your word. Lord, I pray that we would not find this negative this morning. But that we would be challenged to be determined. We would be challenged, Lord, to dig in and to hold on, Lord. That we're not going to turn to the left or to the right. But as Paul said, we don't even think the sufferings of this present world 
are worth even comparing to that which waits for us. God, I pray, help us to finish this course, to run this race. Lord God, I pray, in the name of Jesus, in the name of